Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Come on, Ohio State. Don't let it down. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it straight from the haters. Got a nice ring to it. I guess baby superhero don't need the same music. No one man should have all that power. The clock ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tipping off the power. Broken, the school's closed, the prison's open. We ain't got nothing to lose, everybody. We got a big show tonight. Let's get it going. Red versus blue is next. 60 seconds. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Indianapolis, Indiana, 
Uh, we've got a big show tonight. We've got Lonnie Gray, Big Mo, uh, ranked number six in the world by Emil Catlick, uh, former World Championship of Fantasy Football owner and founder. We've also got Jeff Hallowitz, uh, operator of DynastyLeagueFootball.com. So we've got a couple of nice uh, guests lined up tonight to uh, you know, give you guys about 60 minutes of uh, entertaining action here on Red vs. Blue. We've got a lot going on uh, with the NCAA March Madness. You know, I'm a Louisville fan, of course. It went out early. We've got Kentucky playing Ohio State tonight, uh, VCU playing Florida State. We won't get into a lot of that. But uh, it is kind of interesting to see uh, the upsets have gone. Butler here in Indianapolis, they've moved on to the Elite Eight. That's got to be a surprise to a lot of brackets. There's Ohio State with another three. That's what we like to see right there. Get these Wildcats out of the picture. Time out, Calipari. Time out. I'm really excited to get Lonnie on the show tonight. Uh, he's uh, He's been, uh, like I said earlier, number six in the world by Emil Catholic in the rankings there. Uh, got a great background in this sport and in this industry. I can't wait for you guys to uh, hear from Lonnie later in the show. And then, like I said, Jeff Haverlick from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. It's a great site for you Dynasty players out there. We're going to be talking about uh, the rookies that are showing up in the draft boards this year. We've got... Um, several situations that you've got to monitor if you've got a top four pick. Uh, you really got some good options this year, one through four, with Julio Jones uh, from Alabama, uh, A.J. Green, and Mark Ingram. Um, you've got uh, Mikel Ashore, the running back, and then you've got uh, Ryan Williams there probably chiming in around the five pick from Virginia Tech. You've got a lot of good players here that uh, have some definite upside and explosive uh, ability. Uh, and we're going to just have to play it by ear as this draft gets a little closer, if we have the draft, right? I mean, we're all a little bit worried about that, but hopefully we have the season and it goes down uh, like we've all known it to, to go down over the last uh, so many years or so. Listen, we've got um, – we're, we're broadcasting live on Fantasy Sports Channel, FSC.FM. That's our uh, flagship, uh, the sports channel. Mark Ronick and the guys bringing fantasy sports to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We stream live on iTunes Radio. Uh, if you have Apple TV, you can find us on Apple TV. Uh, we're streaming there as well, live right now on the fantasysportschannel.com. Pretty cool stuff, all the technology that ties in. So, you know, if you have Apple TV, you can go right there to the radio podcast and, and find us right now. We're streaming live all across the globe on Apple TV. Pretty cool. Uh, as you guys know, I'm a, uh, I'm a New York Jets fan. I'm a Louisville Cardinal fan. So, uh, you know, again, saddened by what happened to Louisville, but... Uh, very excited to see what the Jets will do uh, in this year of uh, another year under Rex Ryan. Uh, they sound like they did turn down the popular HBO show Hard Knocks. They were the first offer and the first ask by HBO, the first repeat. They wanted to have a repeat uh, season by Rex Ryan and the New York Jets, and they did turn them down. So it's it's time for business from Rex Ryan. Uh, Ladinian Tomlinson apparently will be back. We should see more of Sean Green. Very disappointing year from Sean Green. Uh, Dustin Keller, if one of those wide receivers goes the wayside, Braylon Edwards or San Antonio Holmes, you would expect to see Dustin Keller be a, a bigger impact. He really started off the year strong before San Antonio Holmes entered the picture. As soon as Holmes came on board, where did Dustin Keller go? I mean, he went from being a hero to a zero, man. It was really disappointing to see and very hard to take. But uh, we should see Dustin Keller uh, come back uh, with another year from Mark Sanchez. Cotri uh, and the slot look really good. We've got uh, – you know, somebody that I'm going to ask uh, Lonnie about here in a minute. Uh, 
he knows him probably pretty well, Brad Smith. So, Lonnie, I see you on the switchboard, man. Why don't you come on board and uh, let everybody welcome Lonnie Graves to the Red vs. Blue. Lonnie, how are you tonight, bud? Uh, doing great. How are you doing, Scott? Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for being on, man. Number six in the world, as honored by Emil Catholic. We'll get to that in a minute. But I just touched on one of your guys. You're a big Mizzou fan, huge Mizzou Tiger fan. Brad Smith of the New York Jets. Is this guy is this guy a must sign for the New York Jets or what? He does it all, doesn't he? He really does. He's uh, I mean, he was an ex- extremely exciting player to watch in college. Obviously, played quarterback. Uh, you know, as far as uh, you know. Great kick returner, uh, you know, can go in and run the wildcat. Um, you know, he's he's pretty dynamic. So, I mean, if I was a Jets, I'd sure try to get him back. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't like the Jets, so I hope he goes somewhere else. <laughs> you also, uh, you know, let, let's go ahead and get this out of the way then. Uh, you are the big Missouri fan. Jeremy Macklin or Deshaun Jackson, who's going to have a bigger year in 2011? Um, it's hard to say. Uh, if Deshaun Jackson stays healthy, uh, I would probably go with with him. But Macklin's been a little bit more consistent, been able to stay healthy a little bit more. Uh, seems to get some more targets. So, uh, you know, Jackson's good for the you know he's good for the long touchdown passes and and whenever he can stay healthy, he's he's obviously uh, you know a tremendous player. But if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably uh, give Macklin the slight edge. We're talking to Lonnie Graves, number six in the world, as ranked by Emil Cadillac. He founded the WCFF, uh, Lonnie, and he ranked over 3,200 fantasy managers worldwide who have played high-stakes fantasy football. He ranks you number six in the world. How does that make you feel? Uh, it was a surprise. Uh, we've been, uh, we, you know, the group the, the group that I'm with, we've been up there in the top, uh, I don't know, 30 or 40, but to get get all the way to number six was, uh, you know, it was a real pleasant surprise, but it's uh, it's pretty neat, pretty neat thing. You're obviously a, a contestant in the World Championship of Fantasy Football, but also started in uh, the NFFC since 2005. Was that year one or year two? Actually, uh, I, I started in 04, which was the first year of the NFFC. Um, my uh, my two fellow Big Mo uh, team members, uh, John Cliff and Kenny White, uh, we uh, de- decided to start in on the high stakes. Uh, went up to Chicago for the first uh, two years and have been in Vegas ever since. And we started doing the Wyckoff in '07, and uh, it's just been a it's been a blast. I think uh, yeah. So I I didn't join the NFFC until year two, and every year I drafted up in Chicago. So our past probably probably. Uh, Probably crossed a couple of times there. We ha- we have yet to win a league title in the NFFC. We've come close a couple of times, but have yet to crack that nut in the NFFC. So talk about that for a second. It's been a very difficult challenge for me. I've, I've got several league titles in the World Championship, uh, but none here. What? W- tell me about the NFFC. Are you a quarterback late kind of guy? It's uh, it's the fourteen team format. Does that make you reach for a quarterback higher than you normally would, or does it have no effect? Well, I think it goes, uh, you know, kind of goes year by year and draft by draft. Really, uh, you know, you kind of go in with a basic plan of uh, of what you want to accomplish, but uh, you never know what other people are going to do, so you kind of have to be willing to, you know, make moves on the fly. Uh, the 14 team format, uh, we actually uh, we actually uh, have our own local uh, league called the I-70 Series, and uh, it's a 14 team league we've been doing since 2001. So I, I'd, I'd like to think that that helps sharpen us up a little bit. Uh, 
uh, ironically enough, I, I, I mentioned in my post to you that uh, neither, the, none of the three of us have ever actually won our, our own uh, league title in our own league. So uh, we've got some, we've got some really, really outstanding players in I-70, and they sharpened our skills. And then we, uh, you know, head to Vegas and and seem to be, you know, prepared for the 14 teamers. Lonnie. Uh, I have to mention, yeah, John Clift and Kenny White, your partners uh, in the NFFC. Now, are they both on on board for the World Championship of Fantasy Football, and how's that work? Oh yeah, we, everything we do, we do together. Uh, we uh, we pool our money, uh, we buy you know as many teams as we can, and then uh, um, the management, uh, you know, pre-draft stuff. We all rank our own players. Uh, we uh, then combine the rankings, uh, you know, like in a spreadsheet. And then, uh, then we basically go through every player from like one to two fifty, and we talk about each player, uh, you know, position wise, but also overall wise, uh, and and you know where we would take a guy and that kind of thing. And uh, it, it's really a team effort. Uh, you know, we in season management the same way. We we do about a three hour conference call sometimes on Thursday nights, uh, talking about waivers, and then. Uh, of course, every Sunday morning we have lineup decisions to make. So uh, it's it's truly a team effort. We all kind of bring different things to the table, and and uh, it's, it's been a real successful uh, partnership for us. Lonnie Graves of Missouri, the number six player in the world, is with us tonight. Lonnie, are you a fan? Uh, you play the NFFC. You've done it since year one. Are you a fan of 3RR and KDS? Uh, I've been kind of up and down on it. Uh, I, the KDS is fine. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it does give you a little bit more flexibility rather than just, uh, you know, because, it, you know, there's certain certain years where there's no real consensus top pick or, you know, you, 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 you take any of two or three guys, so why pick first when you could pick three and then, you know, have a quicker pick on the way back? Uh, the KD or the, uh, the three RR – um, I thought that it was appropriate whenever uh, when they first came up with it in the NFFC. Um, I actually talked to uh, to Tom Kesnick about it a couple of years ago out in Vegas, um, and I, I really think with the decline of the three down running back, uh, the the three RR really uh, doesn't. I you know I don't I don't know the numbers uh, you know off the top of my head, but it seems to me that with the decline of of the Premier running back, the, the true stud running back, uh, the three RR could 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 be done away with. Big Steelers fan, Lonnie is. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and ask you right off the bat. Mike Wallace is an up and coming wide receiver. Uh, he really had a breakout year. He definitely had uh, some big games in the playoffs. Uh, of course, you guys beat Mike Jess in a in a in a huge game. Man, wasn't that an intense game, man? Have you? The, the Jets Steelers game that was one crazy tale of two halves. It was a nail biter. I tell you what, you know, it looked it was like what twenty four three at the half, and then you know I had to hang on for dear life at the end. But uh, yeah, it was a, you know the Jets are a fine team. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not a big fan, like I said, but I I do respect uh, Rex Ryan and 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 you know he's got some great players on his team. But yeah, that was uh, that was pretty crazy. Pretty crazy game. I wasn't really expecting the Steelers to make a, a run that deep in the playoffs and get in the Super Bowl was uh, pretty nice. Uh, but you know, it's the playoffs are about the only time I can really, uh, you know, I can really openly root, you know, just for one team because generally I have, uh, you know, diverging fantasy uh, 
things going on, and, and I can't always root for them. So, you know, I hope they win, but it has, you know, if they have to lose it, you know, to come to the expense of my fantasy team, that's the way it's got to be. <laughs> uh, so we talked about Mike Wallace. Are you, you, you think uh, next year Mike Wallace or Mike Williams of Tampa Bay, which one would you go out on a limb for next year? Uh, well, you know, I really missed the boat on Mike Wallace this year. Uh, he was—he was a guy that I, you know, I, I certainly was aware of and and everything. But it, you know, there were a few guys, him and Hakeem Nix, that that just seemed to go off the board a lot earlier than we had him ranked. Uh, we did pick Mike, Mike Williams from Tampa Bay, and actually Mike Williams from Seattle up in a in a bunch of leagues. Um, I, you know, it's it's kind of tough to to tell. Uh, uh, Josh Freeman's not not a super accurate quarterback, but Mike Wallace or Mike Williams is more of a number one. Uh, but you know the Steelers are maybe a little bit more of a run based team. Uh, but you know Wallace seems to get free, and and Roethlisberger's got a big arm. So I you know to me they they're they're really similar. I'd probably look for a few more catches out of uh, Mike Williams, uh, but maybe a few more touchdowns out of Mike Wallace. Lonnie, you've also played the World Championship of Fantasy Football. You've played that for four years. Uh, you've also been vocal in the thread over there about the late payouts. Uh, what, what, Any other comments you have on that situation as it's playing out? Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to stir the pot any more than it already has. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I believe we'll be paid. I believe that, uh, you know, Dustin and Jesse are probably doing the best they can. You know, I'm not sure exactly what the uh, – what all the issues are with the with the cash flow, but uh, you know it's been disappointing. Uh, you know, I, I it's like I say it's been it's it's been a disappointment. Uh, they uh, they their their inability to really communicate with uh, the players and let them know exactly what's going on and why you know the delays have happened. It just seems like uh, there's just been a lot of really ambiguous statements, uh, you know, and, and nobody's really said exactly what the problem is. So. Uh, you know, they they talk about some kind of an issue with the process that took place in early March and, and uh, didn't really go into what that was. Uh, but like I say, I believe in the end we'll get paid. And, and uh, you know, if there's a football season next year, I'm sure I'll be back with the White Claw. Yeah, it's definitely a situation that we have to watch. Very disappointing to see it unfold this way. You can only hope for the best for all the players. And, and sometimes, you know, you – as players, we have to send a statement, you know, that, uh, you know, mistakes of this type of magnitude can't be tolerated. We have to be uh, – you've got to be better stewards of our money. It's our money. It's not their money. It's our money. It's the players' money. We're the ones that are allowing them and entrusting them to hold our money uh, during the fantasy season. So, uh, hopefully, uh, we as players learn from this experience and the, the organizations learn from this experience. And, uh, you know, the money is uh, the money is quickly delivered in the future. Now – you played uh, in Orlando. Just, uh, just, uh, just one point on that. I noticed that the uh, – is it the FFPC that does the uh, – where they put the funds in escrow? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Now, I wish they'd take a lead from the FFPC. I don't know if it's possible with the way they have their two contests running, but um, that would certainly – you know, moving forward to next year, uh, that would be something that would really, uh, you know, in my mind, go a long way to, you know, keep people's confidence high and – and their organization, if they could escrow the funds, uh, you know, and and deliver on the on the promises, having the prizes out by February fifteenth, I think that's a completely reasonable date. 
Yeah, it's real important to get the payouts right. Uh, the event is uh, the events are great. We love going out to Vegas. And, and as I got ready to lead in that segment, you played in Orlando uh, two years ago, and you had three league, uh, three teams, and you won two of three league titles. Now, Marty, I talked to some of the best, uh, you know, throughout the season, and some of the higher ranked guys tell me that. Orlando is where you can really dominate. Do you, do you find any advantage to drafting in Orlando? You know that's been a that was kind of a funny argument on the boards for a long time in the NFFC. They uh, they're actually their their message boards are a little more active than and everybody talking about you know drafting out of Chicago is a lot better than drafting out of Vegas. And you know I, I to me it doesn't seem to make a difference. Uh, you know the 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 main difference is just the uh, you know just all the things that go along with it. I mean. In Orlando, we were in one tiny room in the Orange County Convention Center, which is like the gigantic building. It was hard to find. You know, there was, you know, like four or five leagues there. That was it. Um, I, I, You know, I don't know. I don't know if it, it helps or not. I mean, uh, some people just, just go, uh, you know, off of where they live. Some people like taking a trip to Vegas like me. Uh, and then, of course, you got a guy like uh, – you know, like cocktails and dreams that does everything online, and and uh, you know you certainly certainly are getting breaks going up against them. So, uh, you know, it, it it can go either way, really. Lonnie Graves uh, with us, our guest tonight on Red versus Blue, out of four main event teams last year in the World Championship of Fantasy Football, you made the playoffs in three of them. It's just incredible. What were the common players? I know you mentioned something about Mike Williams, uh, Seattle, and and Tampa. What, what what were the common players that led you to victory? Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, one of my partners, John Cliff, he has a knack of almost every year picking one guy that we can get late, and we take in a lot of leagues that, that just, you know, winds up being, you know, the MVP of our team. I mean, the first year Wes Welker was in New England. We had him. One year it was Kevin Walter. One year it was uh, Braylon Edwards. And this year it was Peyton Hillis. And we, uh, you know, out of 16 teams, we had Peyton Hillis on 10 teams. And a lot of times we were pairing them up with uh, Arian Foster, uh, you know, Jamal Charles. Uh, you know, we had uh, uh, Roddy White on, like, three of those four teams. Um, so we had, we had you know, we had some pretty, you know, pretty fortunate, pretty fortunate baseball in the place for us. But whenever you have one guy that you can pick up in the, you know, 12th, 15th round that, that you know, performs at a first or second round level, uh, you know, and you get them all over the place, then, uh, you know, not only do you have him, but nobody else does. And, you know, it kind of hurt us down the stretch. He, he faded a little bit, but, uh, you know, he, he certainly uh, got us in the playoffs. So that was uh, that that was probably the big key. Lonnie, we take questions in our uh, Red versus Blue inbox. The, the Red versus Blue inbox is at redblueradio at gmail.com. One of the questions here says, does he have any strategic approach to fantasy football which he feels is different from the norm. Interesting question. Uh, that is an interesting question. Um, I would say that uh, the 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 real the thing that if there's anything, and and I, I trust me, I believe that uh, a very large part of our hobby is is absolute luck. Um, you know who gets hurt, who doesn't. I mean, you know, like last year we had, you know, Jamarco Finley and Dallas Clark go down on like seven of our you know, 16 teams, and and that really hurt us down the stretch. You know, we were playing Ben Watson and people like that that were really consistent. Um, so, you know, uh, the luck's a big part of it. But if there's anything, we're not afraid to to you know uh, go off go off uh, 
you know, <laughs> go off the cuff and try different things. I, you know, the first or the second year, actually, in 05, up in Chicago, we had our entire list and everything down. You know, we had, uh, you know, had worked on it for, you know, weeks. And, and the night before the draft, uh, we started doing the numbers, and we decided that um, – we weren't going to take two running backs. We were going to take two wide receivers off the bat. And, you know, now that's not an uncommon strategy, especially at the end of the first round. But if you think back to, like, 04, 05, I mean, uh, you know, most people went two, if not three running backs right off the bat. And, uh, you know, so we, we certainly are, are not afraid to take, take chances like that. Uh, you know, I'd say, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, try to get studs at the top. You know, I mean, you they always say it's hard to, you know, it's hard to win a draft at the top, but it's easy to lose one. So, you know, uh, there's just there's just a certain feeling you get about some players. You know, uh, you know, I'd rather I'd rather take a shot on somebody that has a chance to be great than somebody who's, you know, just going to be a a grinder. So that that's probably about it. Yeah, uh, I, I I know. Also, you you're a big auction guy, and you've uh, been very successful there. For somebody who doesn't play auction but is intrigued by the ability to really be able to create and build your own team without having to worry about you know draft slot and draft position, that's that's me. You know, I can't ever take that leap and try auction just because I feel like it's a donation, and then I feel like I'm, you know, what I did with dynasty on my first dynasty league. Now I'm sitting here with like ten dynasty leagues. I'm afraid that that's what's going to happen with auction if I take it out, but. If you had somebody that wanted to step out there on the on the limb, Lonnie, what would what would you suggest to them? Well, I think in the auction format, it's really important to uh, you know to to figure out the value of your guys. I mean, you have to uh, you know how much money is going to be available in the auction. You know, obviously the the cap versus you know you know multiplied by the players, and so you know you allocate X amount for each player position, and then it's just how you have them ranked. So. Uh, you know, you can look uh, – if you have a value on a guy and, and you know, uh, every option is different. You know, some people come out of the gate and they're bidding crazy amounts. And sometimes, uh, you know, people come out of the gate and they're gunshots. So you really just look for value. You look for guys that are going for $10 less than, than you had them, uh, you had them marked down for. Uh, and you draft that guy that somebody you're comfortable with. And, and then, uh, you know, the other, the other thing is you can build your team. You can pick the players that you want. Uh, so you can you can build a solid base, and then you have to have uh, you have to have you know it's kind of like in the in the draft champions format you have to have knowledge of depth and and you know I, I don't believe in sleepers anymore because you know there, there's really no such thing but the the lower tier players are going to perform you know a guy like last year that I'll point out is like Devon Bass you know he was a guy who you know you probably got for a dollar an option the guy caught like seventy balls or maybe even more than that. Um, so you gotta you 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 key in on the guys that you want, the ones you want to build your team around, and then and then you fill in your your one to five dollar players, but you fill them in with with you know hopefully guys that you think are going to perform above where where they're ranked. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it, it definitely takes some uh, some some planning and some forethought before you just jump right into auction. But I know you I know you've been very uh, very successful there. Um, you're, you're really going out. You do the auction, the draft masters, the NFFC auction. Uh, you, you, you've got a, you've got a lot going on, and you were uh, you had two teams that finished fourth and fifth last year in the NFFC auction overall standings. It was a it was a very just a very good year for you. And and uh, what what can you say? You you uh, you hit on a lot of players. Peyton Hillis 
Uh, yeah, Peyton Ellis was uh, yeah, Peyton Ellis was a big part of it. You know, we had you know Arian Foster, obviously. Uh, we had you know Philip Rivers kind of tapered off at the end of the season. We had him on a few teams. Um, you know, we had Brady on a few teams. He did well. Um, you know, just uh, you know, just a good mix of players. You know, they weren't all our teams weren't all the same. You know, Roddy White. Uh, Roddy White was on three of our Wyckoff teams, I believe, and. Uh, so you know, just just fortunate. You know, sometimes uh, you know you lose you lose some really close games uh, where you score well, and sometimes you win those. So uh, we just seem to get fortunate at the right time. Uh, we we had a great year uh, down to the very end. The 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 playoffs were very disappointing. Obviously, we didn't we didn't bring home any uh, big money, but uh, you know you can't complain whenever you you know play your hobby and you and you and you can turn a profit. So. Uh, all in all, you know, I'm not complaining. It's a blast, and and I I just I hope they get the the labor deal worked out so uh, so we have something to do this fall. Ronnie, I'm sitting here watching this uh, catastrophe of a basketball game. I can't believe Ohio State is missing as many shots as they normally make. I mean, he got to the free throw line and shot technical fouls and missed it. It's not Ohio State basketball. I just don't understand how Kentucky they can can stay in this game, man. It's just ridiculous. Are you are you a college guy? Oh yeah, I mean I'm a big Mizzou fan, so I you know I I'm not real familiar. I've probably seen Ohio State play once this year. Uh, I'm a Big Twelve guy, but uh, yeah, it's 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 at least uh, at least both these games are entertaining. The ones earlier kind of you know kind of got routes going on. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, my my bracket's been busted for a long time. So my <laughs> my luck in fantasy football has not transferred over to uh, the NCAA this year. Me and you both, man. I tell you, I saw. I like Missouri, especially early on. I saw him play Georgetown early on in the season. That was such a great game. I'm like, man, this team is legit. This team could go to the Final Four. But then they really tailed off, and then they had to play Cincinnati in the first round. It's got a really bad draw, but it's, uh, you know, hey, that's what, what can you say? There's only one team that's going to win it all. Yeah, that's true. Now we got to find a new coach. Arkansas, uh, <laughs> Arkansas stole our coach, so. Uh, we may be, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe shock is smart. Who knows? We may be looking for one of our coaches in these uh, last few games here. Well, you got to love it. You're from Missouri, living in Tampa now. Uh, you get the chance to go to any of the games. You, 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 what do you think of this Legarrette Blunt kid? Uh, I like Legarrette Blunt. He's, uh, you know, as long as he can uh, stay out of trouble, which he seemed to do his, his, his rookie year. I know that was a knock coming in on him. You know, he. He was with the Titans there for a while, and they cut him. Um, you know, he had some problems up there at Oregon or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, tough. You know, he's he's a he's a beast. He's a big dude. So you know, he's always going to be in there for goal line carries. And uh, you know, I know Cadillac is a uh, uh, you know he's an unrestricted free agent this year. So I don't know if they'll bring him back. You know, they have Huggins and they have you know a couple other guys. But uh, yeah, I like Blunt. Um, I've 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 gone to see a couple Bucks game actually. Uh, last year, I went to the it was the 30th anniversary game. Uh, you know, the Bucks came in the league in '79, so they had a throwback where they wore their like uh, old old pirate uniforms. <laughs> I don't know how else to yeah. say it. Uh, and the whole stadium was kind of done up in a retro look. And they actually played the Packers that beat them. That was the first game they'd won all year. So uh, they made a lot of a uh, lot of progress under Morris this year. And uh, you know, I, you know, I saw Josh Freeman play in college and. You know, I knew I knew he was going to be, uh, you know, a good player. He's he's got a big arm, and 
as soon as he uh, just improves his accuracy a little bit, you know, he's a winner. And uh, I think the the Bucks have got a good thing going. Well, Lonnie, thanks for being uh, a guest tonight, man. We can't wait to uh, spotlight you uh, at the Fantasy Players Association and our, our player profiles. It's, it's been a blast, and uh, we just look forward to uh, watching you and uh, and seeing your ranking and, and being envious of uh, seeing you up there at the top. Well, hopefully I'll continue on, and like I said, I can't stress enough that it's uh, it's truly a team effort between myself, John Cliff, and Kenny White. Uh, and uh, we only give another shout-out to my uh, buddies in the I-70 League and our champion this year, Fred Navarro. His Brown Thunder and Lightning team, uh, you know, took everybody down. So uh, thanks for having me on, Scott, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, Lonnie. Take care, my friend. That you was Lonnie Graves. Lonnie Graves, Big Mo. What a what a great guest uh, to have on the air tonight. Uh, number six in the world as ranked by Emil Cadillac. One of the founders of the World Championship of Fantasy Football. He puts out his player rankings every year, and uh, it, 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 that's a program that's continuing to grow and continue to expand as the contests and the organizers continue to participate. Uh, that's that's uh, that's something that I think the players want. They want to get something that they feel is fair, that ranks them for their efforts, that ranks them for their cash one, and you know. Look, you can't just rank somebody because they win a million-dollar grand prize and put up 50 bucks. You've got to have some kind of system, uh, proprietary point system. That's kind of what Amos going for, and I think he's done a very good job of pulling it off uh, the last couple of years. He'll continue to tweak it and continue to get teams to participate and contests to participate. And, and that's the thing. I think the players will uh, – they want something like that, and, and I, I think it's just neat to see. Uh, the interesting thing is there that uh, last year, once, once Amos came out with those rankings, you know, it was neat. The entire year was all about seeing those top players continue to succeed and excel, and it was just a it was a vindication and a validation that those rankings uh, really are pretty accurate as far as skill sets. There's there's some good players now. Obviously, there's some players uh, like Wayne Ellis uh, down there that that for whatever reason the, this this calculation isn't giving him the credit where it's really deserved. Uh, but it's all about participation, and you do participate. You put yourself out there, and you get you you put your money on the line. And those, those rankings will reward you. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back uh, with another great guest from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Hi, this is Greg Kellogg. You know the routine. It's Friday night. You're looking over your lineup. It's either Lavernius Coles versus the Browns or Lance Moore versus the Falcons. I'm a serious fantasy player, and regular fantasy advice just won't do. I need to know, without a doubt, that the fantasy advice I'm getting makes sense. That's why I listen to Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. Catch Scott Atkins in the Red vs. Blue Crew chat room every Friday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for those difficult-to-make lineup decisions. I'll be there. Will you? Like mercy, part of me feels like 
eh, go ahead and start this, and then just win by ten, twelve points. You think you think you're gonna you think you're gonna beat me? No, I know I will. Hey everybody, we're back. Uh, Red versus Blue Radio. Uh, Scott Atkins, Team Legacy. Mike Trent is out tonight watching his UK Wildcats battle the Ohio State Buckeyes. They've got a dogfight on their hands. I can't believe Ohio State is playing down to the level of their competition and making UK look good tonight. Uh, Ohio State's missing all kinds of open shots, wide open jumpers. They usually hit 60-something percent from the three-point line. Uh, they've been missing free throws and technical foul shots and layups and soldiers looking out of control. It just doesn't make sense. And I, this just seems like what happens to Cal. Calipari teams every year, they just they advance further than they should. But, look, we're, we're still rooting for Ohio State to pull off a victory. Mike may or may not join us, depending on the time uh, that he gets back. We're, we're joined now by uh, Dynasty League football, Jeff Haberlach. Uh Jeff, uh, I'm looking at these rankings on Dynasty League football. You've got a guy here, number nine wide receiver overall, Dez Bryant. And that's a high ranking for Dez. And there's some news out on him that's, that's kind of disappointing and a little discouraging. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks uh, Scott for having me. First of all, and uh, yeah, I completely uh, I agree with what you're saying about the news today. It uh, is a little disappointing, and for those that have been following Dez for any length of time, uh, we all hoped that these things were behind him. But uh, I know I was relatively critical before the draft last year, uh, before he was taken. But uh, it's uh, it's maturity issues. Uh, I don't usually have problems with receivers like this uh, and maturity issues until after after they're 25 years old or so. Uh, disappointing for sure. But I'm not going to be worried until uh, until it starts affecting them uh, when the season starts. Jeff, talk about DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, you know, we're, a lot of the high stakes community is relatively new to Dynasty football unless they've been playing some local leagues. We, we finally did get a couple of high stakes Dynasty Leagues formed this past off season. Or uh, with uh, the FFPC, they they started the 1250 dynasty and the seven and a couple of 750 dynasties. Um, talk about dynasty league football and the service you guys provide for us. Uh, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Uh, dynasty league football is a labor of love. There's uh, three partners and uh, and a few thousand of the best dynasty coaches on the planet. And that's really what we're trying to create. We realize that yeah, we're just uh, three people uh, and. Very good coaches are a big part of what we're doing. It's not just about us. Uh, sure, we spend probably far more time researching the dynasty format, players, uh, everything related to fantasy football than the average football coach, and we feel that we have something to offer, especially for casual players. But we fully believe that the dynasty format is the format to be playing, the format for the super fan. But we want to give all coaches, regardless of your level of experience, a place to go where you're going to be able to mix uh, with other coaches from, from around uh, the nation. And we've had many coaches from uh, outside uh, the United States as well. And uh, to share insights. And that's what it's all about. It's about creating a, com- a community focused on the dynasty for- format. Sure, we talk uh, redraft leagues. We'll talk keeper. We'll t- uh, talk auction as well. But our, our focus is on the dynasty format because we feel that uh, that's where the super fan is eventually going to end up, and uh, and that's what we're bringing to the net. You've also got a couple of um, – Jeff, you've got a couple of articles. Uh, the player spotlight is a uh, is a nice feature that you guys have. 
and uh, Jonathan Stewart is the focus of this uh, of this particular player spotlight. Sort of a big, bigger built back, and, and for some reason, I've never been a big fan of those bigger built backs. They just seem to wear down or not play for the length of time that you really need them to. There was a lot of high expectation for Jonathan Stewart, and you know his first year that he really had a chance to do something. He, or he, he's had, let's just face it, he's had injuries. It seems like all the time. And, and is, is, is that something that you, you, you factor into your rankings? I mean, because obviously if you put it on talent, you know, he's a top ten guy, but, but he does have the injury. You know, it's, it's interesting about Jonathan Stewart. He's one of the ones that I watched as a prep star. Uh, being up here in the Northwest uh, myself, uh, I watched uh, Stewart uh, come into, uh, into college uh, to play for the U of O, uh, Oregon that is. And, you know, it's interesting because it's, it's true. You hear the stories, uh, and he's always constantly nicked up. But if you take a look at how many games he's missed, he's missed very few games in his, uh, in his professional career. But he always seems to be nicked up, so he does have that tag. Uh, he is a bigger back, but he's an extremely fast back. Uh, he's one of those backs that I do feel is probably best when combined with, with a good third down back. Uh, somebody like a D'Angelo Williams that's probably going to be departing this offseason. Uh, but I would say he's higher risk than, than some of the other backs uh, that are higher, than, that we have ranked higher. Uh, but he's got tremendous potential, and I think this is going to be his first year where he's truly going to be able to, to carry the load, and we're going to see what he can do. Uh, last year was, I think, a disappointing year for him for sure. I know in our expert league uh, draft, uh, the first year, Dynasty League, was uh, we were – hosting an experts league with some of the best uh, fantasy football sites around the net. And we traded, uh, traded away our uh, next year's pick as well as future consideration for, for a high choice on Jonathan Stewart. So uh, we felt that pain too with his disappointing year, but we, we expect him to bounce back pretty strongly this next year. Jeff Haverlack of dynasty league football.com. Uh, it's an interesting little article here. Uh, that you have on Jerome Simpson on the main page, and it's a it's it's not a name that everybody knows, but for you dynasty guys, uh, we we definitely watched uh, as he came out of the draft in 2008. Uh, didn't accomplish much, but by the end of 2010, it looked like he started to kind of make some sense of this uh, of these routes and this playbook, and and now he's got a, a a situation that's wide open there. Jerome Simpson, kind of an interesting name for 2011. Yeah, absolutely. And one of our claims to fame at Dynasty League Football, and we call ourselves DLF, it's just a lot easier to say, is we really focus on finding those those talents before they get to be mainstream, uh, hopefully months before they've shown up on anybody else's radar. Now, Simpson, sure, we just highlighted him. He's going to be owned in, I would guess, in more than 50 or 60% of the dynasty leagues that are out there right now. But, yeah, he came on strong the last three uh, games of the year uh, with he had 20 catches, 273 yards, three touchdowns. If you want to expand that out, uh, not that you can going into this next year for Cincinnati, but you're looking at 100 catches and, you know, and roughly 1,400, 1,500 yards. Now, that's far too, uh, too much to hope for for Simpson, especially with Cincinnati. Uh, is Palmer going to be back? Probably not. Uh, Ocho is going to be gone. Looks like T.O. is going to be gone. But that's part of the reason why we're a little high on him is because he's going to be he's going to be the wide receiver one there at least uh, until uh, Cincinnati can draft a rookie. But as you all know, wide receivers uh, that are that are drafted oftentimes aren't going to be productive for the first couple of years. But yeah, we're very high on Simpson. Uh, Andre Caldwell, I think, is another one that does have some opportunity. 
he's never really shined when given that opportunity, but he came on strong late last year, and so he's going to have a chance as well. Yeah, as soon as I saw this article and read it on Monday, kind of the way I like to, to go about these things, I like to, you know, read up on this content, get kind of fill me up with it a little bit and make my own decision, but it's a guy that after you read this article, it's very compelling to, to, to sit back and say, you know, maybe this is a guy that I have uh, overlooked a little bit, and I think that's the kind of the, the, the joy of that article uh, that you wrote. And, you know, it, it makes you want to take a look at your teams and especially some of these deeper rosters, look at some of the weight that you're carrying on your team that you may not appreciate as much anymore that somebody else may still like, and, you know, maybe try to do a swap there or something, you know. So, you know, I could think of a couple of names. Uh, of some players that maybe I've, I've kind of, you know, I'm disenfranchised with, like Mike Sims-Walker. You know, I bet you, if you, you know, I'm kind of disenfranchised with Mike Sims-Walker. really kind of liked what I saw the year before, so I, I gobbled him up on a couple of leagues last year. And then, you know, he's a guy that you, you, you don't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of future from. So, because I saw him disappear so much. So that's a guy that I, you know, I throw him out there in a couple of leagues and try to get maybe a draft pick back in Jerome Simpson. That's kind of how I, I did that. I would completely agree. If I can point out something on our site, too, one of the articles that I do on a somewhat regular basis, uh, and when I say regular, at least annually, is my Inside the Numbers, so where I research the last 10 years of the draft. Uh, each year I do this, and I'll go through and highlight the stratification of the positions that are drafted in you know, the first round or the second round and how productive those players are coming out of the draft. Uh, not on our main site. If you go to the second page of our site, you'll find the one for wide receivers. The interesting thing about wide receivers is if you take a look back the last 10 years, and, and forgive me, I'm just going to shoot off some numbers here uh, from memory, but first-round wide receivers, the chances of them being a productive player, if they're drafted in the first round, is about 30%. So there's a 70% chance of any wide receiver that you take, if you look at the last 10 years, that they're going to be a bust in the NFL. And outside of the top five or six picks in the NFL draft, that even rises further. Uh, there aren't very many that are drafted in the top five or six that are bust, except for uh, that are busting, except for perhaps like Charles Rogers. He skews it a little bit. Uh, he was tremendously disappointing. But that's where players like Jerome Simpson really start to shine because you've got Jerome Sim Simpson, who's now going to be 25 years old going into this year. He's going into his fourth year, and if you've got a low first-round pick, instead of taking a, let's say, a second-tier or third-tier wide receiver in this year's draft, I would burn that on a Jerome Simpson. If you've got a pick in the 8, 9, 10, and you're looking for a wide receiver, uh, sure, you're not going to be getting uh, you know, Julio, uh, Julio Jones or A.J. Green at that spot. But if you're looking further on down the list and you're looking at a, at a Titus Young or a Randall Cobb or a Tandon Doss in this year's draft, uh, I'd much rather take somebody that's a little bit of a known commodity and has three or four years' experience in the NFL because that's where uh, that's where that production is going to start showing up for you. Jeff Haberlach is our guest from uh, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, DLF.com uh, for short. Uh, I really like the spot where you have Hakeem Nix ranked. Uh, you've got Andre, Calvin, Roddy, and Nix. I think I think Nix is um, uh, definitely one of those elite talents. I see that your uh, tight end rankings, I'm trying to look for something that might seem sort of out of the box that might make, you know, DLF kind of on the map here for these rankings. And, you know, everything looks kind of uh, status quo here until I see Mercedes Lewis is ranked your number six tight end. You look at last year, you don't see a fluke there. You see a red zone beast opportunity. 
and Mercedes Lewis is one of those ones that's a little bit controversial, suppose, if you, if you look at it that way, at number six. So whenever we post our rankings, of course, uh, you know, being a, a site like that, you're going to get some comments from, from our readers, from guests and such. And yes, I'm, I'm buying into Mercedes Lewis. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with the departure of Sims Walker and, uh, and that offense being not quite as explosive as, as they have been in the past. But with tight ends, there is such a, a disparity between, say, your top six or eight tight ends and then the rest of the group. In many cases, if you get a tight end that's going to produce for you, I'm going to go up with those numbers. I'm not going to take a lot of chances. Sure, he's not going to be, he's not going to be your, your Antonio Gates or maybe even Jason Witten or uh, Jermichael Finley. I know Lonnie talked about the injury to Jermichael Finley and, and Dallas Clark. But when you've got somebody that puts up those kind of numbers, you have to believe they're going to get him the ball. And with tight ends, if you can get a point, a, a point advantage every week from a spot, like with a tight end, that's going to be a huge advantage for you. So I'd rather have, like Lonnie said, I'd rather have somebody that's going to give you that that real chance to be a boom or bust player that's going to put your team over the top than to take a, a risk with a, a player that's going to be yeah, be a little bit more mediocre down from the 10, 11, 12 range. Uh, one of the other tight ends that's fast, uh, quickly rising on our, on our rankings is Jimmy Graham as well. Uh, the departure of Shockey really opened up uh, Jimmy Graham's opportunities. Uh, I've been high on Graham coming out of college. Uh, I drafted him in a number of leagues, and uh, I think he has tremendous upside. And I think uh, some people, especially in Dynasty, are still sleeping on him. Yeah, you know, I'd like to talk to you offline, Jeff, about some of these tight end rankings because I, in one of my uh, in my twelve fifty Dynasty, I, I did a lot to repair that position. I was only sitting with Moiaki and um, Olson. And I felt I upgraded my position significantly with the addition of Pettigrew and Cook. But you have those guys ranked a little lower than me, so I'd like to talk to you about that offline. But I, I want to get to the uh, this other article here you had on Sidney Rice. It's on your main page, and Sidney Rice is another interesting uh, interesting player. You've got the loss of the quarterback. Uh, Joe Bidwell wrote this article. You've got the loss of the quarter, quarterback. And then you have, obviously, the hip injury that some insiders in the Minnesota organization say he's not the same Sidney Rice. And I dealt Sidney Rice. I'm in a, like I said, that 1250 dynasty. I moved him straight up for uh, Brandon Pettigrew in a one-and-a-half points per tight end catch uh, league. And, and, you know, hey, you've got to have a tight end in one of those leagues. And I, and I went ahead and grabbed him. But Sidney Rice is one of those players that I just was tired of questioning and doubting. All the doubt and questions that I had in my mind as to surround this guy, I just couldn't own him any longer as a dynasty player. I can understand your feeling. Uh, Sidney Rice is one of my favorite players coming out of college. Uh, he's Gamecock. And I drafted him when he came out in my main dynasty league at, at number 11, being relatively sure that I was getting real bargain. I love the kid. I love his work ethic. Uh, his injury history is, is a little bit bothersome for me, a little worrisome, especially this last injury. But he's somebody that I'm sticking with personally, I have sold him in one of my leagues, and and I can understand. I wouldn't want him as my wide receiver one. I think he's a he has the potential to be a high end wide receiver two. But I think until he starts producing consistently, I think you've got to treat him a little bit as a wide receiver three. 
And going into this next year, he's not going to have Favre throwing him the ball, obviously. And anytime you've got Adrian Peterson in the backfield, he's going to have an opportunity. And uh, he's clearly, uh, I believe, the number one. Uh, he's the number one wide receiver in that offense. Percy Harvin is great underneath, and should open up Rice to get deep and get beyond the safety. I think he, he's got tremendous opportunities ahead of him, but uh, but he's got to show me some consistency uh, to stay on the field. Now, the other interesting thing I wanted to point out is that. Is that Joe Bidwell, the person that wrote that article for us, is one of our members. Uh, he's one of the things that makes a DLF a little bit different is that for those members that really are dynasty stalwarts and diehard fans, we give our members an opportunity to write articles if they have something that they want to get out and to share with the with the community. You'll see it on the upper left corner of DLF. It's called the member corner. And we'll highlight them just like we highlight our own articles to give them, uh, give some of our community members a voice as well. And that Sydney Rice article is an example of that. DLF.com is also a free website, is that correct? Yes, it, it is uh, absolutely free. We're not sure what we're going to do for monetization uh, in, in the future. There's a number of things that we've got working. We've got some very exciting things coming up. Uh, you're going to see, just as the first time that we've announced this anywhere, is that uh, we'll have our Dynasty Essentials Guide that's coming out. It's going to be probably close to 250 pages. It's going to be, as far as we're concerned, uh, magazine rack quality. And uh, it's it's going to be, again, just like the site, it's a labor of love, and it's going to be an absolute essential guide for Dynasty players. So it'll be an e-book yeah. that you could uh, download right online and just, Check out on your iPad or, or, or wherever you're at. Absolutely. Very cool. And we, we also wanted to talk about rookies a little bit, Jeff, because a lot of us Dynasty guys, we're always trying to trade and evaluate the um, value of our rookie picks. And I'm, I'm sitting on the 1-1 one, one and the 1-2, so I'm in a good position here to be taking an A.J. Green and possibly a Mark Ingram or a Julio Jones. I haven't made up my mind there yet. I want to take the best player. I don't want to get into a situation where I'm looking at my team and making my decision based on my team. I want to always pick the guy who has the most value, who has the most trade value, who's the best player. I don't want to look at my team and say, oh, I'm weak here. I need to shore that up because if that's the case, I'll just trade down. But I want to take the two best players if I, if I use these picks, and I think I am because I really, I'm really high on A.J. Green. The question is, Mark Ingram, and, you know, the St. Louis Post, they, the dispatch today, they believe that the Rams could give serious consideration to drafting Ingram uh, with with their 14th overall pick if Julio Jones is off the board, and that would be a great weapon for Bradford. Talk about Mark Ingram a little bit, and, and is, is this guy uh, the real deal at uh, in the first round? Well, you've got 1.1, 1.2, so you're, you're set up beautifully. You, you've got exactly what you want. Uh, and I've said in this draft, you want to have one of the first two picks. Uh, on, on our site, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, one of the bottom uh, articles is inside the numbers, draft history as it relates to running backs. One of the things that you're going to find is that 90% uh, of the time, that first running back off the board is going to be a productive running back in fantasy, whether it be – just productive or a stud? As we look, we have four different categories. We have stud, uh, stud starter. Boy, I don't remember my uh, categories now. That's uh, that's pretty sad. We have uh, stud. Let me get down here. I, I know, I know how it is. Stud, I'm starter, bench, right and bust. Stud, starter, 
bench and bust. 90% of the time, if you take that first running back off the uh, off the board, you're going to be looking at a stud or a starter. Ingram has got it. There's, I have no concerns about Mark Ingram long term, and him going to the Rams certainly wouldn't be what you're looking for, obviously, for near-term production. However, I remember a number of years back when Stephen Jackson was coming out. He was coming out of OSU, and Kevin Jones went to the Detroit Lions. Stephen Jackson was drafted behind Marshall Falk in St. Louis. And I had that pick, and I chose Kevin Kevin Jones because because of the better situation. And we all know how that ended up. So right. you're still taking Mark Ingram, I believe, number one, because in fantasy you want to have that production. Mark Ingram gives you that production 90% of the time, and that's what history shows. Number two, sure, you could talk Julio Jones. You could talk A.J. Green. I believe, even though I really like what I've seen from Julio Jones, A.J. Green is going to be a great player in this league. He jumps off the page at you. He's got that dynamic ability, that it factor that I look for in wide receivers. Uh, wide receivers and ranking, wide receivers, finding the wide receiver prospects is, is probably what I do best in the draft, uh, finding them in the third and the fourth round of fantasy drafts. Uh, A.J. Green, I don't think you have any concerns with. If you've got one and two, you're taking Ingram and Green, and chances are you're going to get two great players for a long time. Jeff Haverlick of DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Man, this has been an absolute joy. When, at what point can we expect to see the rookies ranked with – will that happen after the draft happens? Yes. Uh, it's As you know, the draft situation is so important. Uh, we've got – now coming out in our Dynasty Essentials Guide, of course, we'll be wrapping it up and we'll be uh, – We'll be taking we'll be taking a look at the situations and really doing a, a much more in depth introspective as to where these rookies should lie. But in my most recent uh, update on the combine wrap up, I, I've given a a near term as, about as good as we can do right now, knowing what we know for the, with the particular rookies. And there's going to be an update to that as well prior to the draft. And then of course a lot of the work starts uh, right after the draft. Yeah, that's where we're going to really. That's where really the rubber is going to meet the road, and uh, we're really going to have to get busy to analyze the, those rookies in their situations, and uh, and see where things fall out. Looking forward to it, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Haverleck of DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Check it out. And Jeff, I hope you'll, uh, you'll you'll come back and be a guest on the show as uh, as you know when we have this off season move on and we get this CBA worked out and this this lockout out of the way. We'd love to have you back on the air. Well, the nice thing is we don't need a CBA to talk football, and uh, certainly appreciate uh, being on the show with you tonight. I'd love to get back with you uh, on the show, and uh, let's do a whole segment just on the rookies. There's a lot to talk about. Sounds like a lot of fun. Jeff Haverlick, thanks for joining Red vs. Blue. We'll see you soon. Appreciate it, Scott. Well, my, uh, my hopes are, are, are dashed. The Kentucky Wildcats have just beaten the Ohio State Buckeyes. I cannot believe the fact that they have five and a half seconds left. They don't use a timeout. They come down the court. They, they settle for a long-range three-point shot, not even from their best shooter. Diebler should be taking the shot. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a way to end the game. I just can't believe Kentucky was the better team tonight. Ohio State did not look like Ohio State, and Kentucky moves on. They lost the eight. Uh, the Elite Eight to face North Carolina. I can only pray that North Carolina keeps them from the Final Four. I don't want to see any part of the Kentucky Wildcats up here in Indianapolis. They don't belong up here. We don't want them up here. 
Kentucky Wildcats win again and advance into the Elite Eight. Uh, Mike, I'm sure, is one happy camper. Uh, we've got about 30 seconds left in the program, guys. I hope you enjoyed both of our guests, Lonnie Graves, uh, Big Mo, one of the uh, number six ranked player uh, in the world, as ranked by Emil Cadillac. And then we had Jeff Haverlick from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. We're going to have uh, we'll have Mike back on the show next Friday, and uh, who knows what we'll have. We haven't got a we've, we've got openings for next Friday night, so we'll put something together for you and have a lot of fun. Until then, uh, it's hot from Red versus Blue, and we'll see you next week, guys. Take care, boys. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.